Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Organ and Tissue Donation in partnership with Donate Life. I'm your host, Michael Billings, and my guest today is Bonnie Power. Now, I've been a radio announcer for coming up 10 years, and this is probably the hardest interview I've ever done. Bonnie's son, Jack, was killed by a distracted driver when he was just 10 years old. I've got two kids, and I can't imagine the pain she's felt. But amidst this tragedy, Bonnie made a brave decision. It's not an easy story to listen to, but I urge you to stick around. Jack deserves that much. But before I get to that, I just want to remind you that I do this podcast in the hope that after listening, you'll do two things. Sign up to become an organ donor at donatelife.gov.au and talk to your family about your desire to be an organ donor. Both these things are as important as each other, and just one organ or tissue donor can transform the lives of many people. I'll remind you at the end of the episode, but for now, here's Bonnie Power to tell us about her son, Jack. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me. This can't be an easy story to tell. No, but I think it's worth sharing if it sort of helps impact other people. Tell me a bit about Jack. Jack was um, one of those boys who was really well-liked, you know, in his grade. He used to get on with everyone, um, particularly one thing that I learned after he passed was how much he was so helpful to the kids who had special needs or the ones that sort of never got included in the lunchtime play. He would always make sure, like, invite them into the, you know, the game of down ball and so, like, I didn't know all of this because at, at home he was just like a big brother to my daughter who was on his game, you know, playing Fortnite and all of those uh, games. But, um, yeah, really well loved and really, really cherished at school. So made a big impact when he, when he left. Tell me a bit more about your relationship with him and your, your life at home with him. Yeah, so um, Jack... He he was really sort of a quiet at home. Like he he didn't he was a perfect child. Like never did anything wrong. I or and I actually told him that so many times that he was like the perfect child. And yeah, like he he was just an angel. You know, like just never did. Like he was just was smart at school. Um and you know funny and yeah like obedient. <laughs> which you want them to be yeah like he's the perfect child and um and it was my it's my younger one who sort of causes all the trouble and and um had the sibling rivalry and and now she's on her own and she's got no one to fight with (laughs) so um yeah no but Jack Jack was just like he's he's always quiet in at home but he was always you know just a beautiful strong presence really if that makes sense how was he with his little sister Steph um, he was like so. He he was like the older brother. I think four years older. And Steph used to try and raise him up. And Steph was the one who used to stir, try and stir her older brother up. And and Jack sometimes would take the bait and and do stuff. And apparently he used to do a few things behind my back when I wasn't watching, <laughs> which I never ever believed when he was alive. But um, Steph's like swearing that her to God that she, that he actually did do some some bad things at some stage. Yeah, he was just um, just a perfect kid, really. Tell me about the day of the accident. The day of the accident, it was a August night. It was about just before 4 o'clock and um, we were, I was over at a girlfriend's house in Blackburn in Melbourne and they Jack was there with, with Steph and there was a 12-year-old who lived at the house, um, Brina, and um, and she had done something 
which made her, um, like all of her technology was confiscated really. So um, they were getting, getting really bored really fast and, um, and so she said, can I, can I go up to the shops and, and um, get some things, you know, go for a walk? And, um, and the mum said yes. And then my kids sort of said, oh, can we come, can we come with, with, with Bree? And I, I, I remember I specifically asked the, the, the mother, Mary, you know, is it safe, you know, for them to, to go up? And she said, yeah, yeah, it's only around the corner. So off they went and um, on the way back they were crossing at the lights and there was um, a, uh, like a, a pedestrian crossing and they clicked the buzzer and he literally ran straight into Jack who was a little bit behind the other two, um, my, my daughter and, and the 12-year-old. And, they, and the girls actually saw the car coming and quickly raced off the road. And if they hadn't have seen that, then, then um, they might have gotten hit as well. And because Bruna didn't have a phone, she actually had, she, she knocked on a car, like the neighbour's house desk next to the lights and rang um, her mother and we came straight away. And um, I'll never forget looking down at the body and um, the body was like covered in someone's like army sort of cargo print jacket. And I was in, like for a minute, I thought, oh, thank God, you know, like Jack doesn't have a jacket like that. It's not Jack. Um, and then I thought, oh, but I'll go over and see if he's okay. And then as I got closer, I saw his face and I thought, oh my God. And it was all like had blood all through, like around his, his, um, his face. And um, he'd actually been hit like. On, on the head like the car it had a little bull bar and it got him um at, at the head so he had massive brain swelling um there was a guy thank god who knew cpr so he was keeping him alive until the ambulance got there but they were rushed his rushed to, to the hospital and then i couldn't even get into the ambulance like that's one thing that i feel so sad about i couldn't get into the ambulance to be with him because the Ambos just said, look, we're going to need everyone on him. Like we need eight people in there just to, to help as much as we can. You'll have to follow in another ambulance behind us. And so that was pretty much the last time I saw him um, up until 24 hours later, which he was lying in there and literally like you just, it was not looking good. Like the, the nurses kept saying that he's doing really poorly and I couldn't believe it at first. Like I was thinking, no, 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 this doesn't happen. This, ha- this sort of thing happens to everyone else. It doesn't happen to me. This is not going to be bad. Like I just kept saying, you know, go back in there, do what you need to do, get Jack right back to, to where he was. That so, You know, like I'll, I'll be here. It's it's uh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> but they kept coming out saying, no, 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 he's doing really, really poorly. And it took me a while to sort of digest that and to really let that sink in. And then when I realised that, like one of the nurses said, you know, he's never going to be the Jack that he was yesterday. Like the the best possible scenario is that he will, when if he leave, if he leaves the hospital, that he will have tubes down his throat for the rest of his life, and he won't be able to move. Like that, that will be who he is if he survives this at all. And that just sort of took me a little bit to think. Like that was when the real shock sort of came on, and. Um, like for all that time that I was by his bedside, I was with my mum and we kept on telling Jack, you know, like try and reduce the swelling in your brain, Jack. Like if you can hear us, concentrate on getting rid of that blood because he was, he's, you know, he needed to get the blood out of his head, massive, massive swelling. And I thought if he can hear me, like 
don't know if it'll work, but I was just sort of saying, just try, you know, fight this, you know, we don't want to lose you, we don't want to lose you. And then I started to think and I talked to mum and I said, you know, who are we to tell him to keep fighting? And if he if he doesn't want to keep fighting, shouldn't he be the one that decides, not us? And mum's like, yeah, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. And so then I turned around to Jack and I, and, you know, I held his hand and I said, Jack, if you can hear me, I want you to know that I'm not gonna not gonna ask you to hold on just for the sake of like me telling you to hold on. If you want to go, like if this is all too much, then I want this to be your choice. So you've got the choice now. And then I said, I'm, like I'm not specifically a religious person. I'm very spiritual nowadays, but I said apparently there's like a might be a tunnel or something and like if you there's a white light at the end of a tunnel from what I've heard and I said Jack if if you want to go down there I'm not asking you to but if you want to go down that tunnel if you feel that that's what you want to do then you've got my blessing and then within about 20 seconds the numbers on the monitor on the right hand side of his bed just went through the roof like it's like he had heard me and he'd let go and I turned to mum and I said I think he's made his decision and um yeah it was pretty full-on and then I reckon I spent the next six months in shock you know like I was still in shock (laughs) my palms are sweaty just talking about it like it's it's so ah, you know it's just it's the sort of thing you see on the six o'clock news and you never think it's going to happen to you it's the sort of thing that no parent wants to hear and no parent should have to go through. At what point does someone approach you about uh, about organ donation? That was pretty much like, I don't know, time sort of was a bit warpy at that period. But I, it was after that I'd made, like I'd made that decision and, and Jack was not looking good that that lady came around and said, I know this is a bad time, but... Um, if I don't ask now, it, we're going to lose our opportunity. I need to talk to you about organ donation. And I took a deep breath and my mum was sitting right beside me. I said, yep, okay. And um, I could feel my mum's, like, tension in her body. Like she just, like, was just tensed up and was not comfortable at all with, with that. But um, I just thought, you know, like if Jack's already made his decision, you know, like this is the next step. And, um, yeah, she started to talk to me and, and said, you know, like this is a, a perfect opportunity to, to give, you know, to give back. And I said, yep, of course, you know, and I, and I said Jack would, would want to, he would want to help people because that's, you know, like he's a, he's a great kid and, um, and I feel that if he, if he doesn't need his organs now, um, I feel that he would want to give them to other people who did need them. In defence of your mother, I can imagine, like, even though we're adults, our parents don't really stop being our parents. Yeah. So I can imagine her being, like, super protective at this point and, like, really? Yeah. Now is the time you want to talk about this? Yeah. But it's it's such a small window that they can ask, but that window couldn't be at a worse time as far as the, the yeah. processing and grieving goes for someone going through what you went through. Exactly, yeah. And I totally get it. Like, I totally... Like mum, um, you know, you're not supposed to have favourite grandkids, but I've got a hunch that Jack was it. 
and I'm glad my my daughter's not in the room. But um, yeah, she, like she she you could cut like her death stare towards this poor lady who was doing her job, you know, like amazing soul, you know, going after people's uh, having these difficult conversations as part of her job description. Um, yeah, I can totally understand how mum would feel like that. Yeah, I just think like I I, I think. You know, like that's the initial reaction of like, of course, get your hands off my son. You know, like he's he's not even dead yet and you want to cut him up and use his bits. Like how dare you? Like you could think of it like that. But the other side of it is that Jack, and, and this is, you know, all, all kids like and, and all, all people, like it's like if, if they are good people, if they were kind souls, if they were, if they were really great, great people, then I think that that, their values, you know, would be considered to to think. Well, what would they want? It's that it's their body; they own their own body. What would they want done with with their parts? And and so, um, yeah, I I said, you know, just take everything, everything, you know, everything that you can to to help other people. And um, and mum, you know, after a little while, she got it, and and it was hard. She it was hard for her to even accept that he was in the hospital in the first place. But I think that now she's a big advocate for donate life, and she just she loves it. You know, like she wants to even be one of those women who go and talk to um, to families to ask them to donate. Like she's just done a hundred and eighty flip on the whole thing because she knows how important it is to to not let those beautiful organs um, be wasted away. You know, if they, they can help save lives and um, people definitely shouldn't be dying unnecessarily in this day and age that we're in at the moment. So, yeah, there's um, <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting thing and I, and I totally understand that some people might not even want to go there but I think, you know, just to have a thought for what the person would want with their own organs and, and to do the right thing if they were a beautiful, kind-hearted soul. What I love about your decision is that it was it was almost a no-brainer in that you almost outsourced the decision to Jack and said to yourself, well, what would he want? Yeah. <laughs> so after you've given your permission and they take Jack's organs, Jack didn't just change one life. He changed a lot. Yes, he did. And, um, yeah, like two people who had p- massive... Um, visual impairment and I went to each of them so now they've got great vision um like he's all like everything in in his organs like in the insides the heart went to a 30 year old woman and yeah it's just like incredible and I hope that those people are are all healthy I've I've heard that they are and um you know they've got a, a second lease on life now but um yeah like even the skin you know like they had they took the skin so that the people who had accidents like motorbike right motorcycle riders they could help them you know with with jack's skin um all that stuff like it's just amazing the number i've heard is that jack's organs went to 10 different people so that's 10 different lives 10 different families and countless friends all directly and indirectly affected how does that make you feel that jack changed so many lives proud yeah and I think I'm going to start crying now (laughs) yeah I'm proud of him because um that's what he was like when he was alive and that's like a legacy like that's that's one part of his legacy is that he's he's gone on to help those organ recipients but also their families like 
their families are now, um, their lives are now back to normal because they don't have to look after people, you know, who are, who, are, who are needing their assistance. So it's sort of like the ripple effect, you know, you just do one good thing and it's like a, you know, like that ripple effect in, in the lake of when you throw a stone in. It just, it just impacts on so many people that you don't even know. And, yeah, I'm, I'm so proud, so proud of Jack. My last question, and I think it's important that people hear this from you, what would you say to someone who is considering or unsure about becoming an organ donor? Yeah, and this is a really good question because this was sort of me like just before Jack died. Like it wasn't in, even a topic that in my busy um, life, you know, feeling like I'm on a hamster wheel, there's never enough hours in the day. Um, this is a sort of topic that you just you just never get to even think about. But I think that, you know, when we've got campaigns running like this and if, if the listeners are, are listening, taking the time to listen to this, then the, the one last thing is to decide you know, if you are going to register or if you are not and to make that decision consciously, not put it off and put it off and put it off. And I think if people are sitting on the fence about wondering, you know, would they, should they, um, the, the easy way to answer that is would, would you receive one? Would you be happy to receive an organ or would you be happy for one of your loved ones to receive an organ? And if the answer is yes to that, then go and register now because it's all about karma and what comes around goes around. You know, you've got to be in it to receive it sort of thing. And that's, the, you know, the flow of, you know, the universe. It's like it's, it's um, you just got to, you've got to, you've got to be, we're all in this together. And um, so if you're willing to receive an organ, then go and register now. Bonnie, Jack sounds like he was an absolutely amazing kid. I can't say sorry enough for your loss, but I've never met him and I'm proud of the amount of lives he's changed. And I feel privileged (laughs) to get to tell his story on here. And I just can't thank you enough for joining me on the podcast. Beautiful. Yeah, well done to you. You're doing great work and... um, I love it. You know, like if we are all um, in this together, then, um, you know, it's just a ripple effect. So I hope that you, um, that your quest to, to help spread these messages um, across, you know, Australia and the globe, um, you know, has a ripple effect and you get to um, see some of that, um, you know, the benefit of that. Bonnie Power, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Michael. I cannot imagine the pain that Bonnie has experienced in the wake of Jack's death. But when I reached out to her to be a part of the podcast, she couldn't say yes fast enough. She tells Jack's story in the hope that more people will hear it and become organ donors. Australia needs more legends like this. So if you were touched by Bonnie and Jack's story, I want you to do two things. Go to donatelife.gov.au and sign up to become an organ donor. And also talk to your family about your wishes. If you enjoyed the podcast, then give it a review or a rating, maybe even share it on social media. I hope it swayed you to sign up to become an organ donor. If you did sign up after hearing this or you've got any questions or comments about the podcast, drop me a line, donatelifepodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be talking to Andrew Martin about his daughter, Ellie, who was born with a very rare condition and in need of a heart transplant for any chance at anything resembling a normal life. I hope you'll join me and I hope you'll make the decision to donate life.